You're listening to the Supertalk podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super. Hello and welcome to the Supertalk podcast. My name is Tyrell Mills. Uh, Today we're looking at impact investing from trends and strategies to opportunities. It's a particularly important time to be discussing impact. Uh, So today we have uh, AXA Investment Managers with us. Now AXA Investment Managers has been an active investor and manager in the impact space since 2012. Over this time, AXA Investment Managers have deployed over 600 million of, in the US of capital, which has resulted in a platform that provides proprietary co-investment opportunities uh, in over 500 companies uh, and more than 70 countries worldwide as part of their commitment to delivering positive and measurable change. Uh, Now, a, a dedicated team of investment professionals is committed to sourcing and managing opportunities in the impact space. That team is led by Jonathan Dean, head of impact at AXA Investment Managers, uh, who was previously portfolio manager for earlier vintages of AXA Investment Managers impact funds. Jonathan joins us today. Jonathan, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. How is the the kind of the somewhat uh, obligatory uh, question? How are you finding working in 2012? Have you been impacted all that much? Uh, how how, how is the impact team at AXA doing? Yeah, I mean, on a personal basis, um, we, we've been at home now for, for six months nearly. So we've had to switch to a, a remote working environment. And it means we have to do calls um, like this, unfortunately, uh, remotely rather than being with you in person. But we have tested the capacity of technology and innovation to be able to facilitate these kind of things. And pleased to say that it's working, working pretty well. So... I think, uh, yeah, frustrated that we can't always be together, but we've managed to muddle through and um, relating it back to the impact case, I think what we're seeing today is a true um, signal of the times um, and the reaction on uh, investors, you know, basing their portfolio decisions now on the world that we live in is creating a very strong tailwind behind the topic of impact investing. Before we get into some of the questions, I uh, might get you to start really basic and just w- when we're talking about impact, what exactly are we talking about? Yeah, no, this is important to address. Um, and I think, you know, the, the possibly the best way to talk about impact investing and, and start defining it is, is actually starting with what it is not. So for us, I think one of the biggest myths about impact investing has always been, is it charitable? Is it just philanthropic donations, you're doing and supporting good causes? And for us, this is absolutely not the case. We are an institutional asset manager. We have to manage our clients' portfolios for market rate return. And that exact uh, philosophy is applied to our impact investing program. So every single investment we make through the impact funds has to target making a financial return and a market rate financial return at that. Uh, It is not a philanthropic and charitable exercise. That is a very noble space to be in. And we do operate, you know, adjacent to those topics, but it is not something that we will find in our portfolio. The the second thing to describe it as as what it is not is ESG. So we've seen this huge um, snowball effect of responsible investing and, and ESG um, which has led to portfolio management decisions being taken on, on, you know, 
risk management factors linked to environmental, social or governance issues. So again, that's much more around um, risk management, excluding items, you know, ensuring that there aren't bad stories in the portfolio. Whereas impact for us, you know, positively, what, what is impact is much more around looking at where these problems are. Where do we see problems in society? Where do we see problems with the environment? And then look at investing in and financing solutions to those problems. And then really being accountable for solving the problem by looking at our performance. So really it's isolating what the problem is, investing in a solution to that problem, and then the measure of the success is whether we've solved the problem or not. So it's much more of a positive um, action. And for us, you know, it's intentional. It's an intentional action where we are looking to create measurable impact whilst delivering market rate financial return. Yeah, that's quite interesting. I think that needing to separate impact from ESG uh, is quite quite an interesting uh, aspect that you bring up just there. Uh, do you find that you're still addressing myths around the impact stuff in 2020, given that, uh, as I said at the start there, you, you've been in the impact space since 2012? Yeah, for sure we are. And, and that's not so much a function of, of where we are as a platform, but it's a function of where the market has gone. So in 2012, we were talking about roughly a $50 billion US market size. Today, that number is is north of $700 billion. So we've seen this huge growth in the market over a very short period of time, which means two things. You know, there's an increase of supply of assets, which allows asset managers to to create portfolios and interventions to in these solutions to, to problems. Um, but there is also a growing investor demand. So, so this is a new space. Investors are coming into it for the first time. So for, for sure, we have to spend some time talking about um, what impact investing is. Um, it's, it's not a sort of binary in-out topic. People are evolving into this space. So, so yes, um, there is a lot of time invested in um, the, the education, let's say, on, on what the spectrum of opportunities are. Um, and I think one of the most important reasons for us to talk about a definition of impact at the start of this this call really is um, because our definition may be, may be different from the next person's. And, and, and that's why the impact investing is, is a dynamic space, because you do see people using the phrase impact to describe, you know, an ESG led investment program, which is based on the UN Sustainable Development Goals, you know. That, that could be within someone's definition of impact, whereas someone else could take more of a definition like us, where we're really looking for these accountable outcomes driving uh, market rate financial returns. So for us, it is important with any investor or any forum that we're in to talk about this definition first so it's clear about what we mean when we say impact investing. Um, and it, I think it's fair to say that the market is evolving towards this purest definition because obviously one of the biggest risks of impact is that you think you're doing something when you're not. So one of the biggest risks that's out there is if you're labeling a strategy as impact or an investor thinks that their capital is going towards delivering an intentional outcome and then the reputational risk when in fact it's it's not and it's, it's just a traditional strategy which is being positioned as being positive or rebranded as being impact-led. And I think that's where you know investors are seeing possibly that there is a spectrum and they want to be towards the end of doing you know, the intentional impact. So they take they talk about greenwashing in the environmental space. Is, is there anything I don't know what the applicable word would be for impact, but does that does that happen at all? People kind of mis, sure. mislabeling things on purpose or possibly just through accidental, like you said, a, a misunderstanding of exactly 
the, the definition of impact? Absolutely. I mean, impact washing is, is a phrase coined from... Is that, from, is, from is that the official phrase? It's a phrase. phrase? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a phrase. Um, and, and like you said, it, it's not intentional in many cases. It's, it's the, um, the pressure, now the peer pressure, if you like, from stakeholders and peers uh, to, to be seen to be doing something as an intervention, a positive intervention. But when you're managing a portfolio and when you have you know, limits and rules around that, sometimes quite hard to take a full step into that into that space so where you know there is a, a path of least resistance to to reposition or re, repackage a, a strategy to be to be seen as being measured against impact i mean that's often the route that people take but the the example that we always talk about here is about health so when you look about investing in health you know at a high level you could say that anything that you do in healthcare is impactful it's positive you are improving, you are trying to improve the health outcomes of people. And, and that, therefore, is, is positive. And the question that you can pose is, is, is that not an impact investment by definition? Uh, and for some people, it could be. And, and that's why we're not here to say, you know, this is right and this is wrong. We're here to say this is what our definition is and try and bring people together on, 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 on that norm and, and bring people in who have that understanding. So for us, healthcare is not just about it's health, so it's good. It's about, well, what's the actual specific problem in healthcare that we're trying to tackle? You know, who is it affecting? How many people are there? What is their, their current situation? Can they afford access to quality healthcare? Is it being provided in their area? Is there an inequality of access to treatment for a, a, an infectious disease, for example, by country, but also globally? So, so for us, we want to try and isolate what those problems are so that when we invest in a healthcare intervention, we are directly measuring our success at solving that problem and not just feeling good about doing something in health. We're going beyond that to say, we know that there's a specific problem within the healthcare ecosystem, which we want our capital to address. And then whether it's successful or not will be the measure of, of our performance. Uh, and I think you can pretty much apply that rule across the spectrum um, of different impact themes. And as an investor today, possibly the most common framework that people work with are the UN Sustainable Development Goals, the 17 SDGs, which have become pretty common language across asset managers, across asset owners, across corporates. Um, and that's where we can try and be very specific about the investment opportunities that we're executing. Just turning to asset classes now, uh, which which asset classes are most common in the impact investing space? Which which I suppose, which are the most popular in terms of targeting that impact? Yeah, so if you take this this 700 billion plus number that I talked about being market size today, it's fair to say that the majority of that is across private markets. Mm -hmm. So private equity, venture capital, um, private debt, and, and sort of real asset infrastructure project finance type assets. There is a debate in the industry about the listed space, which is undoubtedly growing in, in creating interventions for impact. But then you have uh, topics around intentionality, measurability, additionality, some of the things that we covered in the introduction and ensuring that can be transferred into a, a listed portfolio as well as it can be done in a private market portfolio. For us, and, and what do we manage or what do I manage across the, um, the alternative platform at Axe IM with the team, we're focused on private markets. 
So the, the portfolios that we run are all around private equity, late stage venture, um, including some real asset, private debt and project finance exposure. And we like that approach because we feel that we have more control on the outcome. So the governance is tighter because, you know, we are we are typically a, um, a shareholder of notes. You know, we can take board positions. We can actually influence the direction of the company before we invest. We can, you know, set targets, objectives, ensure that there are specific criteria that the company is aligned to delivering, um, which is a condition of our investment, which is linked to creating that impact. We're actually providing new capital, so primary capital into a project or a company. So almost you can you can ring fence that capital and say, I know what that capital is being raised to finance. And there is a long due diligence process with the companies and projects to ensure that you know we know and we are aligned importantly on how this capital is going to be um, intentionally driving the impact outcomes that we want. And that is just an easier process to to manage when it comes to when it comes to portfolio management using private market asset classes. Are you able to provide an example of, of a specific investment where you've been able to get, you've been able to find the solutions that you are hoping to create an impact with? I mean, there are many, there are many, and I can give a couple of examples across um, two different themes so that we're complementary. Let's start with healthcare. Cause I think healthcare is something that, um, for us, is a big priority. We, we recently launched a new strategy in this space that's really focused on, on providing access to basic needs for emerging consumers. So basic needs being defined may, mostly as healthcare um, and financial services. And within healthcare as a topic, we see that there is a huge inequality of access and quality globally. Um, and there was, a, there was a phrase or an approach to, to healthcare known as global health, which was something that was mostly in the philanthropic space over the past decade. It, it was recognizing that, you know, there were certain population groups that were affected by certain um, medical conditions that, you know, couldn't be reached by, by big pharma or big pharma's products because they weren't commercial. It wasn't commercial to go there. And quite often, you know, the public services in those areas were not strong enough to be able to provide adequate healthcare provision. So it was mostly the role of charity or philanthropy to go in there with, you know, grant making exercises to, or charitable exercises to, to really try and address these problems. But there was a subset of that market, which, which could be addressed by, by commercial means. And that did have a financial return attached to it. And, and that's something that we started working in five, six years ago with, with, with a partner in the U S that's enabled us to really open up this idea of global health being a, a, an investable topic in the light of impact. And one of the examples to give there is around a, a condition that's, that's, uh, that's affecting a population in sub-Saharan Africa called, called river blindness. So it's effectively being, being bitten by um, black flies um, down by water sources that can lead to infection uh, and you know, visual impairment or permanent blindness. And, and historically, it's been very difficult to treat. There hasn't been the right product and there hasn't been the right um, financing for it. And so through a global health intervention, which actually was via an Australian company, um, we were able to support via our partner a, a, a strategy um, which came up with a, with a drug that, that was, was approved by the FDA in the U.S. to be able to be used as an intervention 
And as a, as a consequence of the drug being approved by the FDA, it was awarded with an, a priority review voucher because it was on a list of priority um, tropical diseases that were neglected and, and were not did not have interventions for. And that voucher has a, has a value because you can trade those vouchers and it enables you to speed up the process to be reviewed by the FDA um, in, with any other product. So these vouchers have a value. That value was so, that voucher was sold, generating a financial return, and we now have a, a, a drug which can be um, uh, distributed across the region um, in sub-Saharan Africa in order to address this terrible disease. And that really brings a couple of things to mind. One is, historically, that hasn't been able to be addressed, but with an impact investor's mindset where you're looking for a problem and looking for a solution to it, it's a perfect example of how you know, innovation and impact is driving this idea of a really important health outcome, which we can measure, as well as a financial return, because the asset that was effectively had the value was a was attractive to you know big pharma and other pharmaceutical companies that want to work through the FDA process. So we've created this this balance and this alignment between the two, and it also brings another really important topic, which is location, geography. Like where do you want to create an impact as an investor and this global local trade-off? Well, this example here is is fantastic because. It really shows how you know global populations are interconnected, and and we believe that impact should be looked at globally, and that you should look at global solutions to local problems. So here you can see, you know, an, an investment approach which was led between a U.S. Uh, partner and, and investors across the world, including ourselves, into an Australian company, um, which was creating a, a drug that was going through a U.S approval process and created a US instrument, if you like, this priority review voucher, which was sold to a European company for, for return, creating a product which the Australian company can deliver into sub-Saharan Africa. So it, I find it difficult when we try and limit ourselves to creating only a local impact when you can see how globally you can be so effective. And that's where in our most recent strategy that we've brought to market, we, we continue that idea of you know, global to local. Where can we invest in outcomes um, that are based in perhaps developed market countries to develop them and then take the product and service into the emerging market where there is a, a disproportionate population affected. There's a large inequality in many cases around healthcare and financial inclusion. And this is an example of that. And I think living in the, the world that we do today, living through a global health pandemic where we are all seeing that the world is interconnected um, and perhaps we're now also seeing how we are experiencing this pandemic differently based on where we live, um, it really is bringing to the forefront for investors that this is an important topic to support. I feel like with the, the global thinking, uh, an important topic to cover off for us would be a discussion about scale, particularly, I mean, that's something particularly uh, valuable to superannuation funds and their investment teams, uh, achieving good scale across investments. How, how are fund managers playing a role in ensuring good scale value in impact investments? Yeah, so I, I think the, the growth of the market is the first comment there. So we've seen it grow hugely um, over the past, I would say, five or six years, north of 700 billion today. It means that there are some pretty large investment funds coming to the market where uh, asset owners can have a, have a choice on, on where to invest. I think historically it was fair to say that it was mostly – smaller first or second time fund managers, certainly not household names, 
that were raising very compelling strategies but possibly didn't have the scale or the track record to attract you know the larger investors but that was several years ago and those managers have either gone on to be successful and now be on their third or fourth fund or we have now seen huge new entrants coming into the market both on sort of the traditional private equity side who are launching impact-led products or asset managers, you know, multi-asset class asset managers such as ourselves and our peers that uh, that have been sort of working on impact strategies themselves with their uh, with their existing clients. Um, like for ourselves, AXA Investment Managers, one of our major clients is the AXA Group Insurance Company. I think insurance companies naturally are are very aligned to looking at impact investing as a as a high priority strategy for them to pursue. So those kind of asset managers that have worked with that group of investors have gone through several years of product development and portfolio management and deployment, just as ourselves, where we're now seeing you know outcomes that we can measure and we can report. We're now seeing financial returns from successful exits. And I think for, for the space now with superannuation, I think there is enough evidence to say, you know, A, this is compelling because of the returns, and B, there is enough scale to start moving uh, capital at at scale into the space. Just finally, uh, turning to the COVID-19 pandemic uh, and the the shakeup that that has delivered to the world, how how can investing play a role in rebuilding, I I suppose, a better world post-COVID? What opportunities are there? Yeah, so I think there's there's two ways to answer that question. Um, one is really the now, so addressing the situation that we're in today. Um, and what we've seen there is uh, a huge spike in demand for assets which are either linked to um, health. Um, so for us, again, looking at how people are now prioritizing health, particular pandemic response investments, so looking at um, opportunities around vaccines and therapeutics um, uh, and anything that's in that sort of supporting ecosystem to address the current pandemic, although, you know, we're halfway through, hopefully, where where we end up on, on the situation today. The future pandemic, I think the, the biggest risk that people have woken up to now is that this this might be a trend that we see repeating itself over the next few generations, and therefore we have to have a better response globally. So what are the pieces to that infrastructure that need to be put in place? So another example of that would be possibly a global cold chain. You know, eventually when there is a vaccine, this vaccine will need to go out into the far furthest corners of the world, and we need to, you know, inoculate several billion people. So the last mile cold chain, which doesn't exist in many countries, but needs to be to keep a vaccine at the right temperature, is something that we also have to think about investing in now. So there is this whole sort of pandemic response, future pandemic response, which um, which is becoming very um, topical for impact investors. And that's really linked about healthcare. The other kind of couple of aspects to talk about would be the recovery. So, you know, recognizing that we're in some sort of financial crisis at the moment globally, um, how can we recover from that? And, and one of the key things to invest in there is around financial services, financial inclusion. So we need to invest in in businesses that will catalyze this, this recovery, this response. Uh, and so we sort of look at that in two phases. You've got the healthcare aspect, you've got the financial inclusion aspect. They're, they're intrinsically linked, and that's a big priority for investors in today's market. And then the other huge topic, of course, is this idea of a green recovery. 
So build back better is something that we hear quite a lot. And and this is um, has been very topical since, I would say, 2015, 16 onwards, when you had COP21 in Paris and then the Paris Agreement. Um, we're seeing this focus globally on on how we can address climate change and biodiversity loss. And so having a bit of a reset button that I think has been pushed in pretty much every economy globally and thinking about, you know, if we're going to invest capital to build our economies back, we're all living in different ways now. We're all interacting with each other differently. Um, where can we make investments that are going to support that? So, you know, environment, investing in green infrastructure, etc. cetera, um, looking at how we can stem biodiversity loss. How do we avoid CO2 emissions? How do we invest in natural capital to sequester more CO2? These are all things that are huge priorities for governments. And the only concern I would have is, you know, how much resources are going to get allocated there publicly when you see the amount of capital that's getting invested to sort of um, stabilize economies and support populations at the moment. But if you look at the role the private sector can play, I think they're already there. I think you can see people are moving. I think you can see that the kind of products that are coming to the market are recognizing not just that the investor demand is there, but there is actually such a huge opportunity and the urgency to act is now. So we're pretty excited that impact can be such an important lever in addressing both the now, but also where we're going in the future. And hopefully the growth continues. That's all for this edition of the Super Talk podcast. Thank you very much for listening in. And yes, of course, a big thank you to Jonathan Dean, Head of Impact Investments at AXA Investment Managers. I was very unaware of the term impact washing. Uh, not sure if that comes as a revelation to anyone else, but it was very good to speak to Jonathan today and get a really good understanding of how impact is going and what some of the opportunities are there as well, I must say a very big thank you to AXA Investment Managers for helping put together this edition of the Super Talk podcast. Until next time, bye for now.